Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Arena Open Day 2 competitor, Ethan Sachs. How does it feel to be queued for Day 2? It feels great, especially because I, I cheated and looked at my rares for my Day 2 pool, and I'm pretty pretty happy about them. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, so we are recording this on Sunday morning, as we usually do, a little bit earlier, um, so that we can both have our... Hopefully our day is free for a good reason to go in a deep run on day two of the arena open. But yeah, Ben, uh, we both uh, had to fire a couple bullets, some of us more than others uh, yesterday, but you got there with a pretty sick red blue streamlined deck. Yeah, my first run was a 6-3 red-white aggro deck with Bergy and Hagar, the red and the white god, respectively. Nice. And then I had a, a very nice blue-red deck that had, again, Bergy and Toralf, the two red gods, and I had Alrin's Epiphany, which is the mythic time walk which was just super busted like every single game i drew it yeah one of the pools i had had that card and it was outstanding yeah i almost got there on my second run six three um a couple other ones and then got there with a streamlined red white aggro deck uh to go seven zero. had kaya on the sidelines in that draft deck or in that sealed deck rather and i think if you had told me i would have had a winning deck without kaya in my pool i would have called you crazy yeah Bold choice. Yeah, for sure. So uh, anything else to uh, to talk about with the Arena Open? I mean, I know we're both super stoked for day two. Can we talk about all the outpouring of comments on Twitter about people qualifying and thanking us for the podcast? That felt so, so good. Yeah, super awesome. And just surreal to see our names alongside, you know, like LSV, Ben right. S, Marshall, like just incredible. So thank you all for all the posts. Meant a lot. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it will be over by the time you listen to this podcast, but good luck to everyone competing in day two. And like I said, I think like just the outpouring of excitement and hype for this sealed tournament. I think that means we're probably going to get more of these to come in the future from Arena. Yes, please. All right. So sealed is over, Ben. I know you're you're probably happy about that. Um, we don't need to talk about sealed anymore. We've we've done the research. We've put the reps in. We've put the good word out to the folks. And now we get to return to our homeland of draft. And that's what we're going to do this episode. We really haven't gotten a chance to actually talk about how we're navigating drafts specifically. So we're just going to grab a, a couple of draft logs from each of us and dive into, you know, pretty deep into pack one and talk about how we're, we're sort of evaluating things where that line in the sand or maybe line in the snow is in this format in terms of <laughs> wow. where we're taking snowlands. Sorry, sorry, I had to I had to that was that was too good to pass up on. Um, but yeah, what cards were taking the snowlands over or under? I think that's a really important distinction to have in the format. And then just maybe even talking about some meta shifts in general. So before we dive into any and all of that, got a few things to talk about here. First things first, the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. We talked about this last week. We were dangerously close to our next stretch goal, Ben, and we got there, baby. You are all in for a real treat here. We are going to be dropping a bonus monthly episode now, thanks to all the fine folks over at the Patreon. Yeah, free of charge to patrons. We are going to bring on Deathsea as our first guest for that bonus episode. Really hyped to have him on, pick his brain about limited streaming, all that sort of stuff. Gold vein pick his brain, right? <laughs> Dude. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm on. I'm on it right now. It's 9.15. I am. I'm hot. Ready to go. Yeah, I, I'm very excited. When you uh, when you were pitching that to me as potentially our first bonus episode, you said the man behind the meme. And I love that as a concept. And I'm super excited to talk about Detsy. He has a lot of really like extreme takes, a lot of very good takes. He's a very good player. And I think has a different uh, mindset towards magic than you or I do. So I'm, I'm excited to get to talk to him. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of good stuff going on over at the Patreon. Uh, everyone gets access to the Discord. So many folks in the Discord qualifying for day two yesterday. That was awesome to see. Getting to just sort of like hang out in the discord on my other monitor watching people roll in with their 
their four O's or their seven X's. So that was awesome. So the Discord is a really great place to uh, you know have that that sort of magic community, the gathering, right? That we uh, that we all miss now that uh, that we can't really do that in paper anymore. But it's really a really fantastic community on the internet, twenty four seven limited tech support. And each and every week, we want to welcome our new patrons to the fold. So this week, we are welcoming a wild bread, Ty, Folk, Matthew, Alex, Nick. Angela, Gary, Waylon, and Andre. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. And you, 10 folks, are the people who put us over the edge. Wow. How does it feel? Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're making waves, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, I, speaking of tech support, after I queued, I just sat in the sealed discussion, sealed pool build channel. I bet I built like between twenty and thirty sealed pools yesterday, so I am primed and ready for day two. Oh my god, what a champion! And he was also just like being my cheerleader in our private <laughs> chat, as I would just be like, "Hey, I'm five one. Nope, five three. Got to open another <laughs> pool." Like, and you were like helping me with my my decks as well. That one pool I had, I had like three viable decks. That was kind of crazy. Yeah, it was very cool. In addition to the Patreon, this podcast is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball. ChannelFireball.com, best place to go for anything and everything you need magic related. There's a lot going on there. Specifically, CFP Pro. I, we say it every week, but you, me, Alex, people from teams. CFP Pro, they're all putting out articles on the limited side of things. LSV put out a sealed guide in prep for the Arena Open. I put out a sealed guide in prep for the Arena Open. We're doing draft guides. Alex just posted a guide to navigating drafts in call time, similar to what we're going to talk about on the episode today, but I'm sure he has a different take on it than we do. So if you're interested in any and all of that, CFP Pro is available for $4.99 a month or $9.99, and you get $9.99 back in store credit. So it's essentially free if you're going to be buying magic cards at channelfireball.com if you choose the $9.99 option. Would highly encourage you checking that out. And they've got another sweet thing called box breaks going on. I was entered into one and you were as well. I don't know if you've gotten your cards yet, but I got my cards in the mail, baby. Oh, I got my cards. I was watching. So they sent what happens is you buy into a part of a box uh, and, and a bunch of other product that they open. You get like a color and I had green in mine and I had it. I was doing some work on one monitor. I just had it going on the other monitor. And then I heard the person who had like opened the cards, like really like stop and on. So I looked over and it was that the alt art Vorinclex. Ooh, and that's like 50 or 60 bucks. And so I, I got that. I've had that in my, you know, they, they sleeve up the good cards for you when they send it out. That one has one of those fancy schmancy, though, like hard plastic sleeves. They really knew to protect that card. So when I got mine, I had a hard case in mine as well and went through all mine was doing them on stream last night showing chat what I got. There were some sweet alternate art Magdas and there's a really cool full art cards from the set boosters, collectors mm. boosters. Those were really sweet to see. But at the back of my thing, there was a hard case. And so I'm going through like thinking this hard case has got to be a gold span drag and I got red, right? And so I get to my hard case and my hard case is empty. I got jabated. Wait, what? So I, I didn't I didn't have anything worth protecting. It was just so the cards didn't bend. Do you know who I bet maybe Mashi was messing with you? Maybe Mashi maybe. just wanted to troll you. If, if so, got me good. Well played, <laughs> CFP. That's really funny. Did you get anything else good? Any any actual gold span dragons? Uh, no actual gold span dragons. The sweetest stuff I got, I think, were the, the alt art Magdas. Nice. Yeah, those are cool. So CFP Pro, there's box breaks, you name it. They've got it all over at channelbuyerball.com. And when you purchase anything over there, when you check out, please use code LOL, all caps, to make sure that they know that we sent you over there. All right, Ben. So let's just talk about the format. You know, when we were prepping for the episode yesterday, you were like, I think it'll be just good to get to talk about Kaldheim because we haven't really done that in a, in a free form setting since we did the crash course. So 
where are you at? What's your experience been? How was your long grind to Mythic? Any and all that stuff. I want to hear it. It was very, very long, let me tell you. <laughs> you, you heard it already <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in that Discord chat. Uh, me posting in Discord was just like, never winning a game of Magic ever again. <laughs> Diamond for life yeah, over and, and over. And me saying, stop playing best of one, please, God. <laughs> Yep. So uh, as part of that, I played a boatload of Magic and updated all of our rankings on lordsoflimited.com and our tier list. So if you want to check that out for the most up-to-date rankings, those were updated at the end of my Mythic run. And I do feel pretty confident about where all the cards are right now. So feel free to check that out. But just as far as where best of one is, Snow is tough to draft. That's been my experience. You can get into the deck still, but it's more contested. And I think a medium Snow deck in the top echelon, a best of one, you know, the, the plat diamond, and mythic ranks is a tough place to be because you lose to the better snow decks and there are still people that are in pods that like just obviously aren't drafting snow or whatever and have a really 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 good snow deck so you just auto lose to the really good snow decks if you have a mediocre snow deck and then you also have really tough games against the streamlined aggro decks so you just lose to both ends of the spectrum kind of like the don't be mid-range for sealed yeah having a medium snow deck in best of one has felt really rough to me I, you know i haven't really done that many drafts in the past week and a half so i feel a little like i don't have quite have my finger on the the pulse of what that metagame is i did a, a draft day on tuesday and then i did a couple best of ones on friday just because i was noticing my rank decaying and i wanted to make sure i qualify for the the sealed uh, mythic championship qualifier in march so i don't quite have that sense and and i feel like you know some drafts have felt like snow's being cut on both sides and some have felt like oh man like no one's taking the lands. There's a snow deck passing me by. But I do agree that like you want to understand why you're drafting snow a little bit. Like I, I have a lot of coaching sessions this week where reviewing draft logs of people sort of like not knowing where they're supposed to take the snow lands, like taking a snow land over a snow payoff or vice versa. Like, should I take ice hide troll here? Should I take glittering frost here? What's the like point in the draft where I'm supposed to jump ship or it's supposed to hold on to it. You know, there's a lot of different things to consider that are difficult. And I think it's sort of, you know, as magic is, there's always exceptions or it's just different every draft. Right. And I think we'll see this in some of the logs that we take a look at. But I kept finding myself in spots where like I'd have a spirit of the Alder Guard and a path to the world tree. And then I'd end up drafting snow and I wouldn't have any Cerulus pack mates and I wouldn't have an avalanche caller or whatever. And so like you're doing all this work and picking all this lands to make like five cards better in your deck and you're playing a lot of colors and it just the payoff isn't there if snow's really contested. And so you just have to determine that pod by pod and it's difficult right now. Yeah, I, I agree with that. So along those lines, after I sort of realized that I made a rule for myself that I wasn't going to draft green unless I was seeing Cerulef's Packmates because I think that's sort of kind of the key card. And if you're not seeing Cerulef's Packmates, that means other people are taking them and that means green's pretty contested. So just that was sort of my baseline and I started doing a lot better after I made that, that rule for myself. But I think aggro is really forcible in the best of one queues if you want to do that. Um, that's how I got to Mythic, and I'm not super proud that I had to resort <laughs> to that strategy to get to Mythic. But the red-white aggro decks are very real, and I understand them a lot better after doing that. Most frequently, I've been base white, and the, the white aggro cards are really good. Been really impressed with Battlefield Raptor. Also super impressed with Stalwart Valkyrie. That's the three white, three two flyer that you can cast for one and a white. So basically these white aggro decks want to curve out and then you force your opponent to trade off with a best gear shield mate or something like that. And then you can double spell on turns with Stalwart Valkyrie. And it's just really impressive to get out ahead like that with flyers. Yeah, and those decks really want equipment. And so then at a certain point, like all of your creatures, no matter what 
they are are threats, you know, like that's why Besker Shield Mate is so good in those decks, I think. It's just like it dying into another body that can then pick up a Tormentor's Helm and at least like force your opponent to have to either take two or block it and take one from the helm. Like there's a lot of ways that that deck can can pull ahead even in the mid to late game. Yeah, it, it that's the thing. It gets out to aggressive starts in best of one, but the good red-white aggro decks can compete in the late game because of the equipment. Well, and I, I've been most impressed by red. I mean, you're talking about some white cards that have impressed you. Red, I think, is particularly underrated, and it has a surprisingly deep roster of commons. Like, you know, a lot of the power level of the cards in the format is so flat, but red really, like, once you know you're in red, you're gonna get goodies. Like, beyond the removal spells of Bolt, Bite, and Squash, there's Axe Guard Cavalry, there's Craven Hulk, there's Dwarven Reinforcements, which I think is super underrated, there's Tuscary Firewalker. If you're aggressive, you want the Pup, you want the Breakneck Berserker, like, that's like, whatever, 10 commons or something, almost 10 commons. And I'm just like, yep, I'll play all of those in my red decks. Yeah, I agree. Red is very deep. So the other thing that was helpful for me on my best of best of one run to Mythic was if you're deciding between 22nd, 23rd cards, like cheap interactive filler that can let you outplay your opponents is better than just some other random 3-2 or some other 2-5 or whatever, just including a snakeskin veil or including a brine barrel intruder. That's the 1-2 flash that gives a creature minus 2 minus 0. Just some way to, with just a little bit of mana, because everything's crunched down in best of one. And, you know, I say this every time, but cheap cards just get better in best of one because the games are so much more condensed. Mm-hmm. Having interaction like that that lets Let's you outplay your opponents or trick your opponents is big game, I think. That's really smart. And honestly, if it's like stuff that they're not expecting, like a Brian Barrow Intruder, like who plays that, you know? Um, so I feel like those kinds of cards probably even get better. Yeah. Shout out to Eric Klug, Klug Alters. He was on me about that and he was right. That's that's super smart. Not not surprised that it's coming from Eric. Uh, other thoughts on the draft format? I don't know about, uh, about you, but I feel like the format feels like red, white and blue, red and snow are the three most common decks by a boatload. Like I just keep finding myself drafting those three decks and it's difficult without rare incentives to get into the other decks, I think. It's not quite fair, I think, to just have snow as a deck because snow can... I know I understand that like in a general sense, it's homogenous and it feels the same. But snow can be like we're talking about blue, green, green, black, blue, black, sometimes green, red, like it's a lot of different, at least color pairs or base color pairs to sort of umbrella this big idea of snow. That's fair. And I think past that, you know, the next most common decks, there's a really good green, red beatdown deck that I had not drafted that I saw a lot in diamond on the way to mythic. And now I've drafted it a couple times. So I think that deck's really good. And I think green, white beatdown also has some legs too. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I, I think black, white, is probably the weakest or the deck I'm like hoping to get into the least slash never. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Slash never. Slash never, I think. Um, But I think everything else feels slightly viable, but it's it's really like you want to get into it at rare a lot of the time or like, you know, have the really strong uncommons from both colors or whatever. Like, I think the decks that exist at common the best are snow, blue, red for sure, and basically just red based stuff. But red, white's probably the best uh, besides blue, red. Yeah, that's fair. So just to dive into like some card by card stuff, uh, I've talked about a few of the cards that have gone up for me. Stalwart Valkyrie and Besker Shieldmate, just a lot of the white aggressive cards. Starnheim Courser, the 2-2 flyer that makes your R's and equipment cheaper. That's a card you really want in the red, white aggro deck, just making your equipment cheaper or the living equipment cheaper, like curving Starnheim Courser into a Dwarven Hammer, making the token on four is pretty big game. Mm-hmm. Um, but past that, Clarion Spirit's a house. I, I have been 
been underrating that card. I knew it was good, but it's a reason to draft white aggro, in my opinion, like a very, very, very good reason. I agree completely. I also think you can splash it in some decks, right, Ben? Absolutely. Five color <laughs> decks. Boom. Slot that Clarion Spirit in there twice. I was streaming and I had five color snow decks and I splashed a Clarion Spirit twice and chat was just railing on me for it. And we had predictions you can bet on Twitch if you're not familiar with Twitch with channel points. It's just like free stuff that you earn. And both runs of these draft decks, I never drew the Clarion Spirit. So we never got an answer to the bet. Wow. Savage. So you just get to be right, though. Absolutely. Of course. When in doubt, the streamer is always right. Mm -hmm. So other cards, Craven Hulk just as a big body, specifically in Giants or this red green beatdown deck, because you want stuff that fights well in the red green beatdown deck. Um, Rootless U I've kind of been poo-pooing on, but I think that comes up as Ravenous Lindworm stock rises and Ravenous Lindworm stock is probably at an all-time high right now, I think. And then in that vein, in this red-green beatdown deck, one of the most important cards is Arnie Slays the Troll. That's the saga that lets you fight something when it comes down and then put two plus one plus one counters on a creature. And then the third chapter actually also super relevant, lets you gain some life, which is pretty clutch in best of one usually. So here's my question about the composition of this red-green beatdown deck. Is it like low to the ground creatures or are you trying to like ramp out four fours, five fives and six sixes a turn earlier? It's like some of both, right? It can have a snow thing with Sculptor of Winter where you put out a pack mate on turn three and untap a snow land. It's not really snow based though. Generally, you want Axe Guard Cavalry, I think, as your two drop of choice curving into a three like Tuscary Firewalker or whatever into Craven Giant into stuff that just fights well, you know, like Srulf's mm-hmm. pack mate fights really well. And uh, Struggle for Skemfar is one of the more important removal spells in the deck if you don't get Demon Bolts. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. All right, cool. I'll have to look out for that deck this week. I'm pretty off of Runes and Rune Crown. I think this is where we're going to have a little bit difference of opinion. But so I've been drafting that and I found that it, those things just take up way too much space in your deck when I'm I'm deck building. But I know you have some different thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like a deck's game plan in and of itself. But and I'm less about the gold vein pick life. I think <laughs> and this is something I would I'm interested to talk to Deathsea about next month. But I think the gold vein pick thing is way out of proportion. Like it's a good card and it enables some very cool things in the right decks. But like so much of the time, I think people are jamming gold vein pick as like fixing in their sealed deck or just like putting it in a deck with 12 creatures or whatever. I'm like, when is this ever making you a treasure token? And why do you care about plus one plus one on your creatures? Like you really need to think about that card. But uh, otherwise, I do think the ruined crown and rune forge champion are definitely cards that I'm interested in taking early early because I think they have a really high ceiling. Yeah, I, I just have had different experiences. I've gone after them a few times and maybe it just got soured by best of one losses, but I've not had much luck and I've found tension in like having the rune crown and the runes and wanting those to be non-creature slots and then having removal spells as well. Like if you have rune crown and four runes, that's five non-creature spells and then you have four or five removal spells, you're at 10 non-creature spells, and then your creature counts lower, you know? So there's just there's just a bit of tension there. Oh, well, I don't know if you've heard this, but removal is overrated. So I don't know why, you're having, <laughs> why you have four to five removal spells in your deck. Yeah, well, that's my bad. <laughs> One more thing I want to talk about is that as the draft progresses in this format, and I think this is probably true for all draft formats, but I see it a lot here with the, the snow tension in particular, that there are certain picks that are going to make the future of your draft feel more open and there are going to be picks you make that make the future of your draft feel narrower. And I think something like a rootless you, like a, a speculative rootless you midway through pack two without something to go search is a great example of like, yeah, if this works out for you, that's going to be great. If you do get a Lindworm or whatever, or a Cinder Heart Giant, 
this is going to be great for you. But if you don't, this is now worse than a grizzled outrider and probably not a card you're super excited about. I had a draft earlier this week where I had four bird striders going into pack three and I think three snow lands and then pack three pick one. I had icebind pillar versus snow Island and I took snow Island because even though icebind pillar is really, really good. Icebind pillar has the chance to make not only itself, but the four bird striders I have be worse at the end of the draft. Whereas I take the snow Island and I know that is currently going to make the four cards I already have better. So there is this like you need to think about how that's going to work out for you at the end of the draft and what those picks that you make are going to imply that you need to do down the road, right? The more snow or the more medium snow payoffs you take early in a draft, the more you're going to have to take snow lands later in the draft over potentially better snow payoffs. Yes, I felt that tension a lot and specifically with drafting these medium snow decks. Like once you start down the path, it's hard to get off of it. But if you didn't start down the path for a great reason in the first place, it, you can get in some pretty tricky spots. Yeah, I agree. Well, hopefully we'll get to see some of those tricky spots in one of these logs. What do you got for us? Yeah, so first one is labeled tough start to mediocre snow. <laughs> Ooh, baby. <laughs> Very appropriately. Love to see it. <laughs> so pack one, pick one. Uh, we're just going to shortcut and assume that Ethan and I picked the correct pack one, pick one here because um, the arena logs right now don't share the pack one, pick one data with 17 lands. So pack one, pick one slammed binding of the old gods as the best card in the pack. That's the green, black uncommon saga that destroys an on land permanent and lets you search up a forest card and then gives all your creatures death touch. Yeah, not not mad to start a draft with that card. That's one of, if not the best uncommon in my mind. Yep. So moving on to pack one, pick two, you see the following cards as options. Arctic tree line is your snow land in the pack, the green white duel. There's a mist walker, two and a blue for the one for changeling flyer, and you can pay one and a blue to give it plus one minus one until end of turn. There's glittering frost, two and a green for the snow aura enchant land, make it a snow land, and when the land gets tapped, you can add an additional snow mana of any color. There's a demon bolt, two and a red for the instant, deal four to target creature or planeswalker with foretell for a red. And there's behold the multiverse. We got some stacked commons yeah. here. Three and a blue for an instant, scry two, draw two, and foretell for one and a blue. And then uncommons, there's not really anything particularly interesting. If depending on what school of thought you subscribe to, there's a rune of sustenance. I think the white rune is the best of the runes as far as runes go. It and the black one do the most impressive things, I think. But white being in the aggressive color pair that most naturally wants equipment and runes, I think bumps it over black for me. Mm-hmm. So that's the one that gives lifelink. And then there's provoke the trolls and doom scar titan, neither of which I think are better than demon bolt behold, etc. Oh, Ben, I got to live the dream this week. Uh, so I did a little deck swap and sealed. I was on the play against a control deck. So I sided into my red white beatdown deck. And on turn five, I got to attack with Calamity Bearer, the 3-4 giant that d- doubles the damage that it deals. And my opponent did not block, and then I cast Provoke the Trolls on it for a cool swing of 8 or 16 points. Yeah, cool swing of 16 life points. Yeah, I saw that clip on Twitter. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty sweet. So I don't think that's in contention here. I don't actually think any of the uncommons are in contention here, but you do have, I guess, there are four commons that I want to talk about here, and that's Behold, Demon Bolt, Glittering Frost and the Green White Snow Duel. I think there's a case to be made for any of those four. I agree. And it's a tough pick. And what you take sets up a lot of your next picks, which is difficult. Yeah. So I, I guess I want to talk about these cards. I mean, I guess I want to talk about Behold versus Bolt first up without Binding of the Old Gods, right? Just thinking this is pack one, pick one. Where are you at these days with those with those top three, I would say? Let's let's add Pac-Mate into the mix. Where are those three in ranking for you? Pac-Mate one, behold two, demon bolt three. 
Okay, not not even close for you. I feels like I wonder if Demon Bolt gets the edge in Best of One. Do you think maybe that that's possible? Possible, yeah, I'd buy it. Because I wonder if like you're supposed to bias towards red a little bit more, and, and I don't know, just that the interaction is so good. But yeah, I, I don't know. Once you have binding, what you're supposed to take here, it feels to me like I want to. I don't know. I wonder if you want to stay green here. And then my question is, do you take Glittering Frost over a green Snow Duel? Like, let's let's say Behold and Bolt aren't in the pack. Right. I think the fact that it's Arctic Tree Line and not a better color for the second color, you know, white is largely useless in the Snowlands, I think, for the most part. Not always, but... Yeah, you get to enable that Master Scald Splash. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Sure. I think if you're taking a card here to support Binding the Old Gods, I would prefer locking up my first Glittering Frost. I think I'm just on Glittering Frost over Snowlands generally, at least early in the in the draft. I just think Glittering Frost enables so much. The fact that, you know, you really do feel like, I know it doesn't tap for double color like we've seen before with um, like Gift of Paradise, but the fact that it a couple Glittering Frosts early really locks up being able to enable most splashes is really, really important for the snow decks. I agree. For me, this pick was between Glittering Frost and Behold the Multiverse. Yeah. Uh, Well, what did you land on? I landed on Behold the Multiverse, but I felt icky about it and I didn't know what the right decision was. Yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, I I, I don't know either. I mean, I really, like I said, I think there's a case to be made for any of those four cards. Yeah, I agree. So now we've got Binding the Old Gods and Behold the Multiverse in the pile. Next pack, see the following cards as options. So many good choices. <laughs> so many good choices. There's Snow Swamp as the snow land in the pack. There's Sculptor of Winter, the 2-2 that untaps the snow land. There's another Glittering Frost. And moving on to the uncommons, there's a Boreal Outrider, 2G for the 3-2. And whenever you cast a creature, if you spend snow mana of the appropriate color, that creature ETBs with a plus one plus one counter on it. So where are you at on the Outrider these days, your preview card? It's good, not great. Not a pull into snow for me. And you're taking Seraph's pack made over it. Oh, absolutely. Are you taking Spirit of the Oligard over it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right too. Um, but it's really interesting here. Did you mention there's a Priest of the Haunted Edge as well in the pack? I did not mention Priest of the Haunted Edge because I think you're trying to wheel that. I think if picking Priest of the Haunted Edge here would be pretty egregious. I agree that it's egregious, but I think it's important to note that it's in the pack as like a thought of... Because I think that's part of what drafting snow entails is making this pick. And then if priest doesn't wheel, not that you're like in trouble and you have to jump ship if you're going down the snow route, but that's information you want to have. Like that's a card you want to eye out of this pack. Um, but again, I, yeah, this pick comes down to snow land versus glittering frost, like on color snow land versus glittering frost. And I think we're taking glittering frost over sculptor. Basically every time. Yes, I agree. Um, unless you probably like, I would take the first sculptor over the third glittering frost or something like that. And then it's about Boreal Outrider versus glittering frost. And I think with you having a green black saga and a powerful blue card to splash, the frost is better than the outrider. Right. And if I could cash in my behold the multiverse for a glittering frost right now after getting the second one, I would do it because I think it meant I could do whatever I wanted for the rest of the draft. Right. You start binding frost, frost, and then you're just open to whatever. So maybe that means that frost was the pick over behold. I don't know. it's, It's tough to say. And then I think I started off trying to value the idea of cutting snowlands as like sending signals. And I think I'm sort of cooled off on that just because I don't think people care <laughs> or like, I don't think people <laughs> clock that at all. Well, I agree. And I also think there's a case to be made. Like if I'm starting a draft, like the snowlands don't really start disappearing hard until like 
you know, pick four, pick five. Right. And if my start to a draft is Spirit of the Aldergaard, Avalanche Caller, Cerule's Packmate, like I'm drafting Snow, even if you're taking Snowlands and I'm going to get them in pack two. Like the thing is, if you're cut from the Snowlands in pack one, you can still just like pick the Snowlands in pack two and you don't really need much more than six Snowlands or something to make a snow deck work, assuming you have a Glittering Frost or two. Right. You can get into sticky spots that I have been in where like the Snowlands just don't break your way. It's like Plains, Plains, Mountain, Mountain or whatever. And that can be a real feel bad. But I agree. Most of the time you can do that. So I'm sort of off of doing that, even though Snow Swamp is appealing to me, given that we have Binding and we're going to want to play Black, at least in some capacity. But I, I think I would take Frost here myself. Right. That's what I ended up on. So have Binding, Behold, and Frost now. But again, I'm already worried because like I don't have a great reason to be going after snow like binding is a good card but like it's not a reason to end up in snow you know what i mean and i think it's important to note that like i think maybe people will be like well you don't have to be snow you can just be like a base green splash deck but those are basically synonymous right green control and snow are the same thing like you can do green aggro and that can be not snow based but green control or green splash, that is snow. Right. I agree. So moving on to pack one, pick four, you see the following cards as options. There's a snow swamp. There's ice hide troll, two and a green for the two, three, and you can pay snow, snow to give it plus two plus oh and indestructible until end of turn and then tap it. And moving on to the uncommons, there's a blizzard brawl, green for the snow sorcery, choose a creature you control and target creature you don't control. If you control three or more snow permits, a creature you control gets plus one plus oh and gains indestructible until end of turn. So this is that line that I was talking about of like, where are we taking what things are we taking a potentially on color snow land over and so i think here's where we're going to differ i think i would take my first snow land here the snow swamp over either of the quote-unquote snow payoffs in blizzard brawl or ice hide troll yeah it's close for me snow swamp i don't love if this were a green or a blue snow land i would snap it up over either of these two cards in a heartbeat Mm -hmm. with it being snow swamp i think i'm hoping to splash binding and be more base green, especially with the glittering frost already. And no reason we couldn't be base green black, I guess. But I think the best snow decks are base green blue. So I I took Blizzard Brawl over the snow swamp. Yeah, that makes sense. I've also been very impressed in best of one with the one mana interaction. Yeah. And and Brawl is like, you know, because it doesn't have that setup cost of struggle being like the, you you know, after Fortell, struggle is a single green mana as well, but you've had to pay two mana at some point. Uh, along the way to make that happen, I do think Brawl is better than Struggle. Yep. So took Brawl here and moving on to pack one, pick five. See the following cards as options. There's a Snow Forest. There's a Mistwalker. Two and a blue for the one four changeling with flying. And you can pay one and a blue to give it plus one minus one until end of turn. And really like the uncommon land, Skemfar Elderhall. That's the green black one that you can sack to give a creature minus two minus two. That's about it. Yeah, this is an interesting choice between Elderhall and Forest. I do think it is Snow Forest here, but... I think there's a case to be made for Skemfar Elder Hall as well. Yeah, I think if you wanted to go after elves and try to try to get deeper into green black, maybe. But I think I like the snow forest and getting deeper into snow. Mm-hmm. And then pack one, pick six, just to kind of round things out here. There's a choice between Behold the Multiverse and Berg Strider. I landed on Behold. Um, that's a close pick, I think. I think you could make a case for Berg Strider there. Yeah. And you know, pack one, pick seven. There's still a Woodland Chasm in the pack wow. and an Ice Hide Troll. So I snapped up the green black duel. Like snow's open here, but again, like I have some card, I have some card advantage. I have a removal spell and I have some snow lands and I just ended up in kind of a medium-ish snow deck. Never got great stuff. I have an avalanche caller, have a doom scar, but these kind of pile decks just were not 
cutting it for me in best of one. So if we click over to the final deck, I ended up with six snow lands, kind of double splashing a doom scar off of three glittering frosts, had a binding, had master skull to rebuy the binding, had some top end in Lindworm and Outrider, but I don't know. These types of decks just weren't getting done for me in Diamond. Yeah, this is, I think the one thing that is tough about this deck is the lack of two mana plays. Like you do have quite a few things you can foretell, or I guess maybe three things you can foretell before turn three, um, but then otherwise you really only have three actual two drops, uh, an avalanche caller, a pilfering hawk, and a sculptor of winter, none of which you're interested in like tussling with in combat, right? You want them to all be doing things later in the game. So it's tough for you to, to interact on turn two. Right. It's it, The green decks really suffer from not having pack mates, I think, because like if you're getting beaten down, for telling Packmate on two and then casting it on three is a great way to brick wall an aggro deck. And it's one of the reasons that I think Mass Vandal is so good because it's a two mana one three when you need it. Yep, 100%. All right, well, that was super interesting. Let's uh, we'll take a look at one of mine here. Uh, like we said, we don't have the pack data for uh, pack one, pick one from Arena, but I took a Doomscar pack one, pick one, which I kind of want to talk to you about. So I, it's that's the, the three white, white, destroy all creatures with foretell one white, white. I have felt really awkward about pack one pick one this card. Like it's very, very powerful, especially in best of one, which this is like, I think you are supposed to take the sweepers in best of one, but like it's rare that you're going to end up with a white deck that supports this. Yeah. You pretty much have to be blue, white, maybe green, white with some plow stuff going on. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, with Doomscar, you better believe I'm snapping up colossal plows. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think ox plow is a good base for it. I think you can get there. I also think there's a, this is maybe one of the things I should have talked about in, uh, in our like general thoughts about the format. And we'll sort of see that at the end of this draft, but you know, like there are color pairs that contain multiple decks. And I think a lot of folks look at like, oh, you have two drops and three drops. This is an aggro deck or, oh, you're red. This must be an aggro deck. And I think that there's a lot more to deck building and drafting in this format than that. And I think we'll, we'll maybe see that a little bit here at the end of this draft, but snapped up the Doomscar here. Moving on to pack one, pick two. Uh, Snowland in the pack is Alpine Meadow, the red, white tap land. Um, only common really worth pointing out is Demon Bolt. Uh, moving on to the uncommons, Usher of the Fallen, single white, two, one with boast one and a white, make a one, one. Uh, white human warrior creature token replicating ring the three mana mana rock and ascent of the worthy the black white saga which has kind of underperformed uh, in my opinion uh one white black first two chapters choose a creature you control until your next turn all damage that would be dealt to creatures you control is dealt to that creature instead and then the third chapter reanimates a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield with a flying counter on it yeah, I still have not seen that card on the battlefield and I'm probably I don't know 60 or 70 drafts deep at this oh, point wow yeah, I mean, I, the format for me literally has been blue, red, white, red, and snow and similar things from my opponents. And I don't know if that's just skewed from best of one, but then occasionally with an elves or a red green sprinkled in there. Ascent of the Worthy is only good at looping with Master Scald to turn Master Scald into a 4-4 four, four flyer. <laughs> that's it. That's all it does. That's all it does. Yeah, I think for me, this is between Replicating Ring and Demon Bolt. I think you could make a case for Usher, but it, there's so much tension there between Usher right, and Doomscar right. that like, I think I just want to take Demon Bolt. Yeah, that's what I did too. I just felt like taking the the, the raw power card. Like I, I also had your like, in best of one, it's hard to draft snow in the back of my mind because I was like, oh, I could take Ring and like be some sort of multicolor nonsense deck. And that's where Doomscar will be good. But I was worried about like going all in on snow and passing something just like raw power like Bolt. So I took the Bolt there. Love it. All right. Pack one, pick three. Snow Plains in the pack. 
Again, a bunch of junky commons bound in gold. The pacifism is here. Uh, Bergstrider as well, uh, I suppose is worth noting. And then two uncommons, Boreal Outrider, as we talked about before. And Svela Ice Shaper, one red green, two four, makes an icy mana lith or eight mana. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost. I have a confession to make. I was drafting last night uh-huh. and I pack one, pick one, Usher of the Fallen over Spella Ice Shaper. What? Yeah, I'm not proud. Are you still drafting best of one? <laughs> yeah, I was drafting best of one. Why? <laughs> because I my rank was decaying. Oh my God, Ben. Oh boy. That's crazy to me. I mean, I like. I think that that's like there's a defensible part of that but the the power level gap there in my mind is so huge yeah power level gap is huge i was just tired of losing with snow and i wanted to do something quick i don't think it's the right pick but that's (laughs) that's what i did okay um what would you take here i would take svela here svela is pretty enticing i think goes well in a deck with doomscar is going to help you cast your doomscar like does everything your two cards want to do yeah for sure that is what i took as well pack one pick four the hits keep coming only common to speak of demon bolt Three commons still in the pack. Gates of Istvel. That's the blue-white spell land. You can uh, pay two white, blue, blue, tap, sack at gain two and draw two. Elven Bow, the uh, single green equipment. Equip cost of three. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus two, and has reach. And you can pay two mana when you cast it to make a one-one and attach it to it. And your new favorite card, Ben, Clarion Spirit. One and a white, two-two. Whenever you cast your second spell each turn, create a one-one white spirit creature token with flying. Yeah, I think it's really close for me between Clarion Spirit and Demon Bolt here. I think it's defensible to take Clarion Spirit and just like say I'm drafting white aggro or white red aggro with this Demon Bolt, putting Svela and Doomscar in the sideboard. I think that's totally reasonable. It's close. I, I could see Demon Bolt as well. Demon Bolt is probably the correct pick but i do think clarion spirit is that power level that's wild to me that you would ditch demon bolt and svela for spirit because spirit has the same tension with doomscar as uh usher does no i would be ditching svela and doomscar and thinking i was gonna be white red i see i see i see i see i think spirit's better than the second doom bolt in or doom bolt doom bolt (laughs) (laughs) i think spirit is better than the second demon bolt yeah okay i could see that i could see that yeah i took the demon bolt here just getting deeper into red and, and still feeling like all four of these cards could go in the same deck with two bolts svela and doomscar i do like what you're saying about getting deep into red as far as like that being a pretty safe place to be as far as navigating through drafts because you're pretty happy no matter where you end up and what you end up pairing with red it is the safest off-ramp from snow if I, if I start down a snow route and I feel like it's getting cut or I start down any route and I feel like it's not happening, I will off-ramp to red every time if I can. Like if it's a choice between similarly powered cards in red versus another color, I will always default to red because I feel like what I said before, there's like 10 commons that I'm happy with as we're going to see as this draft goes. Like it's just so much easier to cobble together a good deck from red cards than it is any other color, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. Pack one, pick five. Snow Forest still in the pack. Bergstrider still in the pack. Axeguard Cavalry, the only red card. One on a red, two, two, tap, target creature gains haste until end of turn. And Gates of Istfell again, the blue-white spell land. Yeah, I think you're slamming Axeguard Cavalry here with the start that you've got, looking to be some sort of red deck. Yeah, and this is just sort of how this draft progressed. We pack one, pick six. I get a Tuscary Firewalker. I get another Tuscary Firewalker, pick seven. Um, I take a Valor of the Worthy, pick eight, just sort of hedging. 
Egar the Freezing Flame wheels out of my first pack, Ben. That was the choice. I had Doomscar versus Egar, pack one, pick one. That sort of stuff tilts me so much. <laughs> There's just like zero world in where it's correct for that to have happened. Right. When you're like deciding between two cards or three cards and any of them then come around, it just like blows my mind. Now, this this is... One of those anomalies where like maybe blue red specifically was open or something, but blue was not. So like this ER didn't end up being any kind of signal for me, but I did take it here. So there's also Battlefield Raptors still in the pack here, pack one, pick nine. And I want to just point out that while it's not nearly as obviously bad as Agar wheeling, Battlefield Raptor coming around means that nobody at the table is drafting white aggro, or if they are, they don't know how good Battlefield Raptor is and is potentially a reason if you wanted to to push into red white yeah all right that makes sense i mean you, you should take agar i would take agar here like yeah. and try to draft blue red but i think if agar shouldn't be here and weren't here mm-hmm. and battlefield raptor were that's a good sign that hey white aggro's coast is clear yeah so we rounded out the pack like getting some some more aggressive stuff like another valor and a wings of the cosmos the plus one plus three combat trick in white fearless pup last pick so i was like all right i'm probably just going to default to an aggro deck and not be playing this doom scar and then Grab a ruined crown speculatively, as I like to do. Pack two, pick one with no runes. Um, and I think interesting to note that like if it's pack three, pick one, I am not going to take ruined crown here. Probably there's like a frostbite in the pack or a Besker shield mate. Like I would just rather take the thing that I know is going to be good. That's not going to force me to make weird picks in the next seven picks. But I feel like there's enough of the draft left. Pack two, pick one that ruined crown is an OK speculation. And I do end up getting not one, not two, not three, not four, but five runes. <laughs> Jeez. This pack, it like it, it starts uh, pick two, pick five, black rune, then red rune, then green, then white. It's <laughs> just like ridiculous. Um, and so I do end up with a really sweet deck, and also was taking a long time to figure out how I wanted to build this deck because I've got the ability to play some white cards, and I've also got the ability to fix for the runes with green. I have a path to the world tree, a horizon seeker, the Svela that we knew we had, and glittering frost. And then it was also interesting, like how aggressive I wanted to build this deck or defensive. Do I want to include the Doomscar or not? I have an Asika's Chariot as well in green. That's a pull to green. Or do I try and splash that? Um, so you can see if you click over to the final build here, I went with like what looks sort of like an aggro deck because it's like so streamlined, but it felt to me much more like a control deck. So in the land slot, I wrote about this this style of deck in my article for CFB last week or two weeks ago, this like coal control deck. And it doesn't have coal, but it does have two Axe Guard armories, the, the Spell Land and Red White, which is just insane to have your land be a draw to. Like, go search up your Bound and Gold plus an equipment. It's just kind of wild out of a land in Red White. Um, so I, I end up running Rune Crown. <laughs> I got a Rune Forge Champion, which is also super lucky. I have the four runes, uh, red, green, white, and black. I have a gold vein pick to help enable those splashes. I did splash the Asika's Chariot. And so while the curve is quite low, there, there's a lot going on in this deck. It's got some rummaging stuff with the Raider and the Seize the Spoils. And that's really good with the rune stuff, right? Because you can discard a rune and the crown and the champion can still dig it out of your graveyard. A lot going on in this deck. It was really, really fun to play. I decked myself one time with this deck. <laughs> so a lot of a lot of velocity here, yeah. Nice, nice. All right, we're going to hop over to another one of my drafts. So pack one, pick one. This was a pretty weak pack one, pick one, if this was my pack one, pick one, because I am pretty low on this card these days. 
Um, Turgrid Shadow, three black black for the instant. Each player sacrifices two creatures and has Fertel for two black black. I agree this card is underperformed, but I would not be mad about first picking this card. I, I still like it. Yeah, it's fine. I think it's just significantly less good than we thought. Like it's it's a C plus. I like I'm fine abandoning this and not drafting black. All right. All right. Moving on to pack one, pick two. See the following cards as options. Snow covered mountain as the snow land still in the pack. Frostbite red for an instant deals two to a creature planeswalker. If you control three or more snow permanents deals three instead. Where are you out on frostbite these days? I like it. I don't like it as much as I used to. I still think shock is good in this format. And I think people are like, well, if it's not lightning bolt, I don't like it. And I think that's wrong. Um, but it's it's not as as insane as I maybe once thought. I agree. Where are you at on frostbite and squash? Like, which do I want over the other? Yeah. Oof. Uh, I, I think I am still taking, I don't know. Maybe I am taking the first squash over the first frostbite. Yeah, I'm on squash, like pretty heavily ahead of frostbite these days. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. All right. So there's the frostbite, there's the snow mountain, and then moving on to the uncommons, there's a Morite of the frost, 2G blue blue for the changeling. And then you can copy any permanent. If you copy a creature, it comes in with two plus one plus one counters on it. There's a giant's amulet, the blue living weapon equipment that you can pay three and a blue to make a, essentially a four or five hex proof. And then you've got the equipment laying around afterwards that gives plus oh plus one and hex proof when it's untapped. And then Arnie slays the red green uncommon saga that fights and then puts two counters on something and adds a red. I always forget about that part. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then chapter three, gain life equal to creature with the greatest power you control. Yeah. Arnest size control is great. I, I, I much, much come up on that card, especially as a splash in the snow decks. For me, I, I think this this is just giant's amulet for me personally. I, I see what you've selected here as, as Morit of the Frost, and I, I, I suppose that's defensible. But the fact that giant's amulet is a single color, and I think it's just for, for my money, I like it better. If I'm taking a blue, blue card here, I think I like amulet better than Morit of the Frost. Yeah, and what you were saying about you know, picks either narrowing you down or giving you flexibility. I mean, Giant's Amulet is certainly going to give you more flexibility from where to go yes. from there more than more right will. Like Giant's Amulet leaves you open to pivoting into Blue Red Giants a lot easier than if you've got more right. Like taking more right here essentially says like, I really want to be Blue Green Snow, which mm -hmm. I do, but it just hasn't been working out. So I kind of like the Giant's Amulet pick here. But I did select Morite, so we're going to proceed forward with that. Mm -hmm. um, so we've got a Turgrid Shadow and a Morite of the Frost. See the following cards as options. There's a Snow Forest still in the pack, as well as a Shimmer Drift Veil. There's Stalwart Valkyrie, which is not something I would have clocked earlier in the format, but noting it here, a uh, three and a white, three, two flyer that you can cast for one and a white if you exile a creature from your yard. And then a bunch of really junky commons and Arnie Slays is still here as well in the uncommon slot. Yeah, this feels like, a, I'm going to click show picks, make sure we're lined up. Yeah, this feels like a pretty easy Shimmer Drift Veil for my money. Yeah, that's what I took as well. I mean, the pack is pretty interchangeable and the Shimmer Drift Veil here is not like I want to draft snow necessarily more as like this pack is pretty weak and I don't have a strong direction. So I'm going to invest in the future of my draft with Shimmer Drift Veil. So let's let's take Shimmer Drift Veil out of the equation. Do you take you take Snow Forest here then, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's an important like that's the line, right? Like the you're not taking Stalwart Valkyrie, even though you're you like that card. That is an actively good card in a lot of decks. You're not taking Stalwart Valkyrie as your first white card over the Snowland here. 
No. I think that you could make a case if Shimmer Drafale weren't here for Arnie Slays also. Right. I think that red-green beatdown deck is good enough and Arnie Slays is good enough that I think that's also super defensible. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense to me too. But with a Shimmer Drift being as flexible as it is, I like it over the Arnie. Yes. All right, moving on to pack one, pick four. See the following cards as options. There's Icehide Tunnel as the Snow Duel still in the pack. And then no real commons that we're interested in. Tuscary Firewalker and Skull Raid are probably the best of them. Mm-hmm. And then in the uncommons, there's a Frost Augur, which is not in contention, and a Morite of the Frost. Yeah. Well, with, with what you've got here, you you snap up that Morite here, right? I did not. You did not? My goodness. You took the Ice Tunnel. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. If I had taken, I, it's, a, it's a clear Ice Tunnel for me if I had taken the Giant's Amulet over Morite, but I, th- I thought you would double down here. No, because I think five drops are so easy to come by like i'm way less interested in the second more right than i am the first huh and i, I think the snowlands are really important i wanted to cut the snowland to send the snow signal yeah well we know no one picks up on that <laughs> yeah that's fair i mean i saw I'm, I'm thrilled with the ice tunnel pick here moving on to pack one pick five boy am i glad i took the ice tunnel yeah so there's a priest of the haunted edge in the commons which is the sack minus x minus x equal to the number of snowlands there's a behold the multiverse but boom baby and the uncommons avalanche caller still here pack one pick five yeah no it's just wild so that means two uncommons and a rare taken over it can't really imagine two uncommons better than avalanche caller and i can't imagine any commons better than avalanche caller so this is a gift for you right but i'm also drafting with crazy people because the Snowland is missing from this pack right. and there is no world ever <laughs> under any circumstances where you ever take a Snowland over avalanche caller this early in pack one so that's like a little makes me a little nervous but got the avalanche caller pack one pick five Pack one, pick six. See the following cards as options. This is kind of a kind of an interesting point. There's a snow covered mountain and a demon bolt still in the pack, as well as a Bergstrider. Well, I, I still have the picks clicked off here. So while I think demon bolt, you know, I, I talk about a lot of the times in, in my coaching sessions, right? Each each pick you want to just identify two cards, right? You want to identify the card you think is the best in a vacuum and the card you think is the best with what you've drafted. If the answer to those two questions is the same card, that's an easy pick. And if the answer is two different cards, then you have like a decision to make about the the gap that exists between those two cards and what you're giving up on versus what you're gaining. So Demon Bolt is the best card in this pack, but it'd be your first red card. Bergstrider is the best with what you have, right? You know, you're basically base blue at this point, or with Bergstrider, you would be base blue at this point. And you've got two Snowlands already, and you know you want more Snowlands because of Avalanche Caller. So I think I would take Bergstrider here. Yep, that's what I landed on with Bergstrider. Pack rounded out, picked up an Augury Raven, pick seven, a Sirtland Frostpire, that's the blue-red land, pick eight. Nice. Didn't wheel a lot of Snowlands. So again, got that pack one, pick five Avalanche Caller, but then the Snowlands dried up. And But this is one of those cases where I think if you get stuff, like avalanche caller you can get into snow and just get the snowlands in pack two like pack two pick one just happily started off with sulfurous mire which is the black red snow duel so rounded out uh ended up navigating into a pretty good looking snow deck it was base sultai had quad skull raid whoa uh, which i was not super thrilled about yeah um and it was just pretty obvious going through the draft that snow was contested despite getting that pack one pick five avalanche caller that's what i kept finding over and over in best of one huh yeah i do feel like maybe in a couple weeks things will start to cool down a little bit or start to like even out a little bit in terms of people's understanding of snow payoffs versus snow lands but it seems like 
it's just a, a wild, wild west right now in terms of the seven other people at your table are just going to have different thoughts about it every time. Yes, I think it is very table dependent. There's a, a wide skill range on the arena pool player base, even in best of one drafts. For sure. All right, well, let's, let's round things out here with one final draft log uh, from uh, my perspective. Pack one, pick one. I grabbed a path to the world tree. Uh, I'm taking this over basically every common. What, what, what commons are you taking over path? I would take Pac-Man over path, pack one, pick one. But not Behold or Bolt, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. But uh, but I took path here. Moving on to pack one, pick two. This is a lot of goodies here. So we have the Black Red Snow Duel Land. We have Seraph's Packmate, best common. So we know that we're that's going to be the best thing we take over any of the other commons. Three uncommons still in the pack. Great Hall of Starnheim. That's the uh, Black White Spell Land. Sack a creature, make an angel. Trickster God's Heist. If you signed up for CFB Extra, you heard my love and praise for this card. I think this is one of the most misunderstood cards in the format. Takes a lot of work, but it's quite powerful. Two blue black. Saga, first chapter, exchange control of two target creatures. Chapter two, you may exchange control of two target non-basic non-creature permanents that share a card type. Chapter three, target player loses three life and you gain three life. And then Avalanche Caller as the last uncommon in the pack. Yeah, I think you're slamma jamming Avalanche Caller over Cerule's pack made here. Yeah, a little awkward here, right? Because you're passing good green and we've already got path so we'd like to be base green and avalanche caller is a snow card and that's where that green wants to be snow there, there's there's already a little bit of awkwardness here but i agree i'm just just taking the avalanche caller as the most raw power card here pack one pick three snow mountain in the pack commons again as we will often see largely junk i would say you know augury raven or craven hulk or grizzled outrider stand out as perhaps the best um three uncommons in the pack vengeful reaper three and a black two three flying death touch haste foretell one and a black kaya's onslaught the plus and plus one double strike trick in white and crush the weak the deal two to all creatures in red yeah this is interesting there's not a great card to go with what you already have like you could take augury raven Mm -hmm. but that feels a little aggressive to me because it's significantly worse than both vengeful reaper and kaya's onslaught i think you could also make a case for crush the week like if you're really wanting to draft some sort of a snow control deck crush the week is a very powerful card in those decks i think i would take crush the week myself but i think you can make a case for any of the uncommons here yeah and i think again interesting note if this is snow forest or snow island this is an easy pick. Yes, I agree. You're slamming it. Yeah. So this, the snow mountain aspect of things makes this interesting. Uh, yeah. For my money, I think Vengeful Reaper is just the best card here. And so that's what I took. And I do not have, like, I know there's a, an aversion to black thing floating around there in this format that I have not subscribed to yet. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not that I don't like black. I mean, I don't like black, but it's not that I, I that's not why I'm not taking Vengeful Reaper here. I just think Crush the Week's goes better with the two picks that we have mm-hmm. and we're pretty incentivized to be snow at this point yeah i agree uh next up pack one pick four glacial floodplain blue white snow duel in the pack there's a skull raid there's a horizon seeker man can we just talk about and maybe it's just from sealed stuff like horizon seeker and to scary firewalker like these innocuous common three mana three twos that just like draw you cards <laughs> Like, I, I see my opponent <laughs> play this and I'm like, well, I have to use a removal spell on this because this is my only chance to one for one with this card. I think they're much better in seal than they are in draft. I think Firewalker is better in draft than Horizon Seeker. Yes. Seeker is pretty ho-hum. It's pretty run of the mill in draft, I think. It is. How dare you? <laughs> Honestly, sir, how dare you? <laughs> But I will say, like, specifically in Sealed, the fact that those cards change what your opponent wants to do as far as their sequencing and things like that is really powerful. Like, it demands that they play the board and 
really affects what they're doing. Like they all of a sudden they have to react to you because of this derpy three mana three two that you played. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, and then uh, I think that the clear winner of the uncommons here is poison the cup one black black instant destroy target creature foretell one in a black and if you foretell it uh, you scry two. Yeah, far and away the best card here. You're slamming that. Mm-hmm. Then we go to pack one, pick five. Snow Mountain still in the pack. Sculptor of Winter still in the pack. And uh, one uncommon left, and that's another Trickster Gods heist. Yeah. So with where we're at right now, so with your stuff, we've got Avalanche, Caller Path, Poison the Cup, and Vengeful Reaper. I think I'm interested in the Trickster Gods heist. If I had taken the deal two in red, I mm-hmm. might take Snow Mountain here and be on track to train wreck myself yet again. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think that it's it's also like there's there's a a point of pride for me. Like, I feel like I have to prove to the world that Trickster Gods Heist is good. <laughs> so like every time I have the opportunity to do so, I'm like, all right, let's do it. And it's early enough. And I feel like it sort of gives me a direction. I also know that there was another one in the draft, right? And it's not crazy that that could wheel. And so I think trying to like peg myself into the blue black control deck that can take advantage of heist is is kind of a cool direction to go into right it's also nuts and sealed i think you have to do a little more work and draft but it's just great and sealed oh yeah for sure next up pack one pick six snowland is missing some good commons though a tuscary firewalker uh two cards that are particularly good with trickster gods heist one is carfell harbinger this is the two mana one three Tap to add blue, spend a mana only to foretell a card or cast an instant or sorcery spell. You know, you use this as a mana dork for a few turns and then you exchange it as a pretty meaningless 1-3 body. Um, but the best thing to swap with Heist is Elderfang Disciple. One in a black 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, uh, each opponent discards a card. That card is the bane of my existence. <laughs> I, can, I can never get it to be good for me. and It's always insane for my opponents. Oh, no. But yeah, I agree. You want to slam Elderfang Disciple here, especially after just picking up Trickster God's Heist. Yeah. So I think maybe the takeaway for me here is that, like, I think I would have navigated myself into, like, a snow train wreck here. Oh, interesting. Just but like with not taking the Vengeful Reaper here. So maybe you need to be a little more a little more open even with a start of Path Avalanche Caller to to doing something else potentially. Huh. We're all see, we're all learning here, folks. It's all it's all a process. So we pack rounds out. We get a priest of the haunted edge. Um, sort of a speculation here. No snow lands yet to speak of. Narfi Betrayer King, pack one, pick eight. So it's like I'm in the right colors here in blue. Okay, black. I just want to pause for a second again. This means you're drafting with crazy people, right? Right. There's take- no way Narfi <laughs> should be here, pack one, pick eight, with the snow lands being as gone as they are. Yeah. And a glittering frost still in the pack with Narfi. Yeah. Yeah. You're drafting with crazy people. Yeah, I know. Well, what can I do? <laughs> we should we should be so lucky as to draft with crazy people, you know? I suppose so. Um, so if you skip ahead here to looking at the deck, we do end up with blue-black control. Uh, got a Cosmos Elixir, Turgrid Shadow, Poison the Cup, Triple Elderfang Disciple. No Snowlands, Ben. Not a single on-color Snowland. Just, just basic islands and basic swamps. So that means Narfi's on the sidelines and Avalanche Caller's on the sidelines. That hurts. Yeah. I mean, I do have, I sorry, I do have two snow islands on the sideboard. I just didn't, I just didn't think that was enough to run Avalanche Caller with just two snow lands. Yeah, that's fair. So that, that, you know, there are, there are other decks out there. Yeah. I mean, there are other decks out there. It's just hard to navigate into them. And I think, so takeaways from this episode for me are if I'm, if I'm feeling lost in a draft, like red's a great place to default to. I think just knowing what the white stuff that you see on the wheel is like if you're if you're also having a rocky draft and you see, you know, some battlefield raptors, a best gear shield mate or whatever on the wheel and you're just feeling pretty lost. I think it's fine to just off ramp into white aggro 
And I think red seems to be a good safety net as well. Yeah, red red feels warm and fuzzy to me a lot of the time. So are you base green a lot in your drafts? Because that's what I kept finding. Like I, I think my default in the format like just leads me to be base green so often. And then when snow gets contested, I don't have a lot of places to go. I don't recall. I, I think my draft data has like white as the least represented base color for me, um, at least from my initial run from like gold to mythic. And then I don't quite know about my best of three stats. Um, I, I know white is my least drafted color, but I think the other, especially sultai-ish colors are all sort of even for me. Yeah. I do I do like the idea of deep into red. That's something definitely for me to take away from the episode as far as navigating draft logs as well. Yeah. Well, now I won't be able to get into red anymore then. <laughs> Dang it. The secret's out. Secret's out. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If uh, you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. Uh, you can come check us out streaming on Twitch and Twitter. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. Both under those same usernames on Twitter. You can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited and and as Ben mentioned earlier in the episode, all of that stuff, plus our tier list, is on our website, lordsoflimited.com. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, feel free to shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later. Start over if you want. No, uh, I'll just start over on the Alex thing. Okay. I just got phlegm in my throat again. <clears throat> I wasn't, for the record, that was not me choking over the CFB read. <laughs> just for the record.